is Eberflus in the new regime doing enough for Fields in his confidence? Are they worried about that? Or are they more worried about the record? Now, of course, the Bears coaches are trying to win ball games. We all understand that. But what about the quarterback? What about the quarterback's confidence in development? What are the coaches doing for Justin Fields? We're going to get into that conversation here coming up in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with Alyssa Barbieri of USA Today's Bears Wire. Victory week for us, Alyssa. How are you feeling about 2-1? and one? I mean, this is one of those wins that doesn't necessarily feel like a win. Kind of hollow, right? You know, a kind of hollow feeling. Yeah, very a little hollow. But at the same time, I'm sitting here and I have to remind myself, you know, the Bears are 2-1 and one with the chance to be 3-1, and one, which is something that I didn't have on my bingo card heading into the season, to be honest. So, I mean, obviously there's still a lot to clean up, but they're sitting in a really good position heading into another favorable matchup against the Giants this week. Yeah, definitely. They're... They're in the best case scenario portion of the schedule for me. Two and one at this point. Best case scenario for the Bears. You've got to love the schedule part of it, the record part of it, I should say. Uh, but the concern here that I know, I, and I think a lot of Bears fans are going to agree with us, is that the, the fact that the team continues to have zero passing game is very much a concern, right? Given the state of the NFL, Alyssa. For real, I'm not really worried about the record. You know, as much as I want to celebrate two and one, very much like the Giants, who we're going to be talking about here more in depth a little bit later. The Bears may be 2-1, but they're probably extremely flawed and not competing for anything this year. Super Bowl playoffs, not expecting that. We've talked about that a lot. I think the hope has always been that the team builds towards the future, starting with this big offseason that's coming up in the 2023, right? The, the fireworks in Chicago that are coming during free agency with all their cap room. So I think for us, our goal for this season has been Get Justin Fields ready, right? Get him up to speed. Get him to a point where he's ready to kind of take this jump in year three when hopefully there's better personnel around him, better protection, better weapons, all that. And the growing concern is that it's heading the wrong direction for a lot of different reasons, which we can get into, Alyssa, right? But right now, from the San Francisco game, the way that ended, when we really did come on after a win and felt pretty good about it, from that game to now, it is going in the wrong direction. Small sample size, but still concerning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fair, too, at this point. You know, taking the monsoon game out of it, and you have the Packers and the Texans games to go off of. And, I mean, this this passing game is so bad. They're averaging 78.3 passing yards per game. And, Ryan, do you want to know who the next closest is, the next worst, at 31? Give it to me. The Panthers at 161.3. No surprise. Like, it's not even close. Double. They have doubled the, the production that the Bears have had in the passing game. And unfortunately, Justin Fields has been a big part of that. And I think it's even fair at this point to say, at this point, and granted, you were 13 starts in, but he certainly looks like he's regressing from his rookie year, which is something that I wouldn't have expected considering how bad things were last season. But I mean, he still hasn't attempted more than 17 passes in a game. And a lot of that is on him and him not taking shots when they're, when they're there. And he still hasn't eclipsed 300 yards on the season. I'm not talking in a single game here. I'm talking combined three games. He only has 297 passing yards, <laughs> which is just, it's brutal. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, kind of looking at, like, Fields' performance, especially in that game against the Texans, it was alarming, definitely. 
because you could see even very early on when Luke Gessie was trying to even get him in a get him in a rhythm, right? You could see that that field just looked incredibly uncomfortable back there. You know, and that made way for him being uncharacteristically inaccurate because he's someone that's been accurate. And you, there was a time, like I think, at a time in the first half where Gessie called three straight run plays on these third and longs. And then you had Eberflus not utilizing those three timeouts, going into halftime with all three of the timeouts, not really trying anything on offense, you know, letting fields kind of throw down field because you didn't have it there. And, you know, I know there, obviously there's some criticisms about the offensive line, which honestly gotten a little better in pass protection. You can't say that they weren't great, but they were a lot better in this game because there were moments that fields had time back there. He had a clean pocket. But, you know, and there have been receivers getting open, even though it hasn't been as consistent as you would like because he doesn't have those top wideouts. But, you know, there were opportunities where Fields had some open guys and the protection was there and Fields simply hesitated. He w- he looked like scared to throw the ball because he thought he was going to make mistakes. And then he actually made mistakes, which was even more frustrating. Uh, so it was just it's, it's concerning at this point. But I'm not giving up on him. Again, we're 13 starts, and there's a lot for him to clean up. His footwork was a mess, and that's something that they're working on this week as well. But, I mean, it's fair to be concerned at this point, given his performance. And I think speaking about the passing offense and how it struggled, I I think it's mostly on field from last week because this team is working. I think you've seen that on film looking at the Texans game last week where there are guys coming open. And Fields is hesitating to throw the ball and not taking the shot, or he's, you know, completely inaccurate with the shot. And, you know, that's just not beneficial for this offense. But, man, it's, man, Ryan, it was rough. (laughs) It was a rough one on Sunday. Yeah, it was rough. Eight of 17 for 106 yards with two picks. But as uh, Brendan Chagru wrote on Bears Wire, you know, looking outside of the stats, this is a quarterback who rarely looked comfortable in the pocket despite decent protection for much of the game. I'm reading from Brendan's work here. Uh, Fields failed to anticipate throws, held onto the ball for too long, was inaccurate, and seemed too indecisive overall. Even when he does get the ball, many of his passes seem high for his receivers that lead to tough catches or drops altogether. It appears he's thinking instead of playing. It's gotten worse in each game since the opening week. It can't keep going downhill, can it, right? So I think that's the question I keep asking myself, Alyssa. It's like, it's like how much is on Fields? You know, I know for weeks and a lot of last season, a lot of people have tried to keep it in perspective, right? Like, look, look at the weapons around him. Look at the play calling. Like, look at the offense. Look at the offensive line. Like, what do you expect from the kid? He's a rookie. Uh, But now it's like, how much do we put on fields, right? Uh, It sounds like Brendan, he was pretty harsh in his criticism and his commentary on Bears Wire. Um, And it seems like, you know, you're starting to come. I don't think you're hammering fields, but you're also saying, look, he's he's starting to take on more of the blame right for the way he's playing but for me it's like don't the bears have to kind of figure this out like what's the other option there's nothing good can come of putting trevor simeon in the lineup ever don't just get trevor simeon (laughs) off of my tv screen i don't want to see him i don't care how bad it looks with fields Alyssa. uh in the old regime i know it was you know it wasn't ryan poles it was the other ryan uh, but the old regime invested too much in fields for the new regime to be looking for an escape route, right? Like I hear, I'm already starting to hear this, like, oh, well, look out for the offseason. If the Bears, if they don't like Justin Fields, look out. They could go and get another quarterback. And it's like, these guys don't just grow on trees. It's hard to get a franchise quarterback. They invested so much in getting this kid. Like, he's had some flashes, right? He's had some get-out-of-your-seat moments. It just needs to get more consistent. 
I feel like they got to ride or die with fields and just keep on working at it and, get, and get, make it get better. You know what I mean? I don't think there's, there's another option right now. They got to figure this out. He's not playing good football and they just got to figure out what's wrong. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you really, like you said, there is no other option. Trevor Simeon is there to be a backup and to be a coach too, right? In the quarterback room. So, I mean, that's, 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 it is what it is. The Bears have to ride this out. They need to fix it. This is Luke Gessie's job. It's one of the reasons he was brought in uh, to serve as offensive coordinator is to not only build the offense around the quarterback, which, you know, I think that we've seen that this is a quarterback friendly scheme, but, you know, Fields just for, for whatever reason is just not, not doing well. Like he just looks very, he does not look confident at all. And that's something where when you saw him, when you watched him at Ohio State, or you watched him at times during the Bears when he had those flashes last year, or even in the preseason, he had the confidence, right? The swagger, you know, so to speak. So, I mean, that's something that I think is missing from his game because he's seeing these bad performances kind of pile up. I mean, I know it's only two, and we're talking small sample size here in the beginning of uh, the 2022 season, but you can tell that Fields just does not seem like himself, and it, it is very concerning, and I think that, this is on Getsy, but that's his job, too, is not only to build this offense. And Andrew Janoco as well, the quarterback's coach. They need to get Fields right, whatever it takes. Yes. I don't know what it is, because we've seen Fields, like, even last year, when there were times, there's some brutal games last year, but, like, when he was making those plays and he was showing those flashes of what he can be, you know, he was throwing with conviction. You know, he was just, like, boom, getting it out there, like, trusting in his receivers, even though – I mean, he had Darnell Winnie last year. Allen Robinson played sparingly. I mean, it was a little, you know, some of the same. So I just think it's a confidence issue with him right now. And he's got to get it right. Because I think once he gets into the zone and he starts having that belief in himself, and that's something that I think Getsy is going to need to help with too. And, like, when you're trying to get the passing game going, it's really get those quick throws, get him, you know, move the chains, get him in a comfortable rhythm, and then try to open things up downfield and get him – Get, you know, get him confident that he can do that, that he can make those throws. Because, you know, I think even on one of the interceptions, Phil mentioned that, you know, he, it was him trying to force a, force a throw or try, or sorry, him trying to force a big play when it wasn't there. Because I feel like if he hits one of those big plays, that's something that's going to like just spark his confidence. And then I think we're, we're good to go. You know what I mean? So, and again, I think that Fields has a lot of work to do. Yes. But also that's why the coaches are there and they really need to because, he said, Ryan, he's all there. He's all they got. And they need to figure out. I don't think this year is going to be a definitive uh, evaluation for Fields because you kind of look at where he is and they didn't bring in a lot of, you know, the rece- they didn't bring in receivers, right? And the offensive line is, while it's improving, there are still some questions. So this is not a make or break year for Fields, but it's something that's it's really important, obviously, in his development in year two. So they really need to get things worked out here. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't see me, Alyssa, but I've been nodding along with you as you're talking there. Um, yeah, like we killed Matt Nagy. We killed him for 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 Fields last year, just for failing failing to tailor the game plans around Fields and all that stuff. His skill set, all that. Right? What is the new regime doing for Fields in his confidence? Are they doing enough to instill confidence in their young quarterback who's struggling right now? I don't think so. We want to take a closer look at that. Like some of the play calling, some of the decisions the coaches have made in terms of Fields and his confidence and getting him going. We'll get into that here coming up next. But first, our friends over at thehuddle.com have Fantasy Plays of the Week. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. 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 I'm Corey Benini of thehuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number four. 
Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson at Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas ranks sixth against quarterbacks, allowing more than 25 fantasy points per game through the first three weeks. One added bonus here is two touchdowns have come on the ground, and the defense has given up 273 yards per game through the air. Three straight contests with at least 23.4 fantasy points is encouraging, especially considering one of those was Ryan Tannehill. Look for Wilson to get back on track this week. Rashad Penny at the Detroit Lions. Penny has rushed for 141 yards at a 4.4 yard per carry clip so far, but no touchdowns have hamstrung his fantasy worth. He has yet to get into double figures in PPR scoring in any game this year, and a now healthy Kenneth Walker cutting into his touches makes this one a tough sell. Enter the Lions to ease some of those fears. Detroit has surrendered the highest rushing touchdown efficiency rate for the position, the most fantasy points per touch, the most PPR points, the most non-PPR points, and the 11th most offensive yards per game to the position through three weeks. If there were ever a time to roll Penny out there, this would be it. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie at Baltimore Ravens. Primarily operating out of the slot, which is a productive role in this offensive design, McKenzie offers weekly consideration in deeper fantasy leagues. Baltimore will have all eyes trained on stopping Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, which frees up McKenzie to operate against solo coverage in space. He could be on the high end of volume from Josh Allen, just like last week. There's still a bit of downside just because of the volume the other receivers see, which obviously cuts into the opportunities. Thanks in large part to the week two destruction from Miami's passing game. Baltimore is the easiest defense to exploit, statistically speaking, for this week. Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tunyon versus the New England Patriots. Still working his way back from last year's torn ACL, Tunyon has no more than 37 yards in each of the first three games. He has not scored, though last week's six reception performance was an encouraging sign. The Patriots have given up a league-high four touchdowns to the position on just 17 receptions, and that's the hope here. Tunyon is merely a flyer for a score and remains a major risk in fantasy lineups. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Right? I said coming off the top, I don't care about the record. I don't think the Bears are winning the Super Bowl this year. Sorry, I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think it's coming. If you could only run the football, <laughs> and that's all you can do, you're not going to win. I'm sorry. So I'm not really worried about the record at all. I'm worried about the quarterback and his confidence that looks shocked. Shot, I'm sorry. Um, and seeing him in the post game, I'm going to play some sound here coming up. But we were kind of scratching our heads over the game plan last week, right? Coming out of Green Bay. Five pass attempts total in the second half. On the road against Aaron Rodgers, down 17 at halftime. Five pass attempts after halftime. That's all. They still kept running the football. They're afraid to let their quarterback try to pass them back in, I guess, or didn't have confidence in that part of their game. Well, we all kind of figured, okay, you got the Houston Texans next, right, Alyssa? This is a great time to get that passing game on track. Like, let's figure it out. Let's get out there. Let's figure this thing out, right? Well, it didn't happen, right? The Bears ran. uh, So after the second field's interception on that first play of the fourth quarter, so this is the the whole fourth quarter. It's basically a tie game, right? 2020 at this point. uh, The Bears ran 15 plays after that interception by Fields, the second one. And a pass was attempted on three of them. So 15 plays, three passes. Some were dropbacks that did end in a sack, right? Uh, but the coaches essentially, I thought, took the ball out of Fields' hands, leaned on the run game, 
and waited on the defense to win it for him. Now, fortunately, Roquan came out of nowhere, picked off that pass. A great throw by Davis Mills right to Roquan Smith. Delivered them the game-winning interception, essentially, right? For them to just play for the field goal, and boom, Bears win. So it worked. Great game plan there by the coaches. They they said, nope, nope, we're going to give it to Herbert. We're going to wait for the defense to make a play, and we're going to pray. And it worked. Roquan Smith answers the prayers. What a play. But I don't know how the ending of that game instills confidence in the quarterback, right? I know he made a, a bad interception there. It was, you know, that's not what you're looking for in the fourth quarter. I get it. But how the rest of that game, them abandoning the pass, basically Alyssa saying we're going to run the ball and play defense. You kind of get why Fields was kind of upset in, in the postgame and kind of putting it all on himself, like taking the blame on his shoulders, being like, I played like bleep, basically. Um, you get that feeling based on the way the coaches called the game at the end. Yeah, definitely. And that was a good point um, that Brandon brought up in his uh, takeaways post, too, about, you know, this new regime and Matt Eberflus about how they kind of seem focused on winning games, which, I mean, I don't fault them because that's his job. His job is to win football games True. and yes. to lead his team. It's not just about one player's development, even though their fans, you know, understand that that's the most important thing for the future of the franchise is the development of Justin Fields. But as a head coach with Matt Eberflus, it's not just about one player. It's about all the players, right? All 53 of them. So, I mean, I understand that he wants to win the game, right? And also, this this wasn't Justin Fields' day. And you kind of saw, again, that commitment to the run, which, I mean, I don't fault them at all because, you know, Houston had one of the worst uh, run defenses in the league. Khalil Herbert had the hot hand. My goodness, what he did. Uh, in place with David Montgomery He's was awesome. just really impressive. He is just very, I mean, and the Bears have loved him. This new regime since they got here have loved Khalil Herbert and they love the running back room in general. And you can see they have two starting caliber guys. So when the, if one of them goes down, you got another. So, I mean, you know, like you said, like the play calling, I mean, I understand because there were some opportunities too for fields. Like, you know, Luke, he made a good point. We talked about last week. And how he brought it up himself specifically. How about, you know, the pass attempts, the 11 pass attempts? You know, that's not necessarily all of the design throws, like the passing play called. Passing plays that were called, it was Fields either tucking it and running, or it was him taking a sack, or it was him kind of, you know, just kind of, you know, handing it off. Like, I mean, like there were some of those, there was plenty of throwing opportunities last week and also this week. And that's why Fields should shoulder some of the blame because. You know, there were his decisions. And it's just, I mean, it was frustrating, obviously, with the passing game. But when you look at that run game, and like we said, Khalil Herbert and how the offensive line is just night and day when it comes in run blocking and in pass protection. I mean, you understand why Luke Jesse did what he did. I understand because their job, again, is not just worrying about Justin Fields and his development, although Bears fans would love that. Um, It's about the team. And it's about winning football games. That's what they're, that's the business that they're in. And, you know, tanking and whatnot, I, I don't think, I don't see how a head coach uh, would tank necessarily. I mean, you're not doing it purposely. So I understand that Matt Eberflus, where he's coming from. But also, Bears fans understand the most important thing this season uh, for the future of this franchise and hopes of winning a Super Bowl <laughs> the first time in 40 years uh, hinges on the development of Justin Fields. So, Again, going back to that's Luke, that's Luke Etsy's job and Andrew Janelko's job. Like they really need to get the old right. Yeah, just so many good points there. Again, it's just like the Bears won, so the coaches were right to manage the game that way. They won the ball game, and we can't sit here and kill them for that, Alyssa. Right? And you're so right. We're talking about livelihoods. 
Like when you lose games in the NFL, your job is on the line. That's how it works. So they're, of course, trying to win the game. You can't blame them for that. I love this conversation about the new regime, though, because like if last year, if Matt Nagy, could we say he took the training wheels off of fields during the latter part of the season, right? When he kind of said, all right, Andy's not QB1. It's Fields. Fields is QB1. So if, if Nagy took the, the, the training wheels off, well, Matt Eberflus and, and company, they went into the shed, Alyssa. They pulled out the training wheels and they screwed them back on, right? Because <laughs> the coaching staff is managing the quarterback right now, right? For better or for worse, that's what's happening. It won them the game on Sunday. That's the good news. The bad is that this narrative continues to surround Fields, uh, that the coaches are afraid to let him pass and that he's an awful quarterback basically is right. That's the narrative that continues to surround fields by all the talking um, heads. And, you know, in the long term, you know, short term, I should say it's working. The bears are two and one long term. You have to be two dimensional, right? You can't just hand the ball off 40 times. And that includes, I guess, fields runs in this game. They, they ran it 40 times compared to eight pass attempts, eight completed pass attempts. I should say 17 pass attempts overall, but, they only completed eight passes and they ran it 40 times. You just can't. That's not a long-term recipe for success in the NFL. You just can't do that. You're not going to win. Uh, you have to be more balanced. You have to get it closer to 50-50, right? Are we working towards that? Hard to tell. Hard to tell. Um, but one thing we did want to make sure we got to is, and you alluded to this, Alyssa, the Bears are running the hell out of the football, right? Like this looks like the Jonathan Taylor Colts that Eberflus was with uh, last year, right? That's what I mean. Montgomery goes down. You could argue that David Montgomery is your best offensive player. He goes down and Khalil Herbert's out there just running over people, scoring touchdowns left and right. The Bears overall have the number two rushing attack in football and are basically 1A, 1B with the Browns in terms of average per game. They're rushing for 190 yards per game and the team below the Bears and the Browns is pretty far below that in terms of average. And Khalil Herbert, Alyssa, is averaging 7.3 7.3 yards per carry. He's your second running back. And he's he's averaging 7.3 yards per carry. He's got more rushing yards through three games. Again, he wasn't even the starter. than Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry through these three weeks. So that's insane. That's a credit to everyone. Uh, the coaches, the players, what the Bears are doing up front. Like, they are running the hell out of the ball. So we can't sit here and, like, lament the poor passing attack and not give credit where credit's due. The running backs, the offensive line, that whole operation is freaking awesome right now. Looking at how bad the passing offense has been, like, you you know, think if the run game was just average, like, I think the Bears, would they even have a win at this point? You know, who knows? Um, but you look at that and what they've done, you know, like you said, they have the second-best rushing attack in the league. I think they're averaging almost 190 yards on the ground per game, which is insane. And it's also more impressive because everyone knows that they're going to run the football because they can't throw it. Like, that's the thing, is that they knew it. The Texans knew that they were going to run the ball, and they couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop Herbert, who was just impressive. And he's really thrived in this new wide zone scheme that Luke Epley's brought. You know, we're talking about, like, getting the Bears to be, like, a modern NFL offense, which is something that, you know, has been a discussion for the last couple <laughs> decades, right? Great way to put it. Um, but <laughs> they had 281 rushing yards last week against the Texans, which is the most since 1984, right? So, like, <laughs> for this franchise. So, I mean, they're going back in time, right? Leading on the defense, leading on yep. getting off the bus running and having that, that, that passing game, it's just, eh, it's there, but it's not really doing much. But, man, like you said, giving it, giving it up to Khalil Herbert, who came in right off the bench and replacing you know, David Montgomery. Like you said, Montgomery is the best offensive player they have, and then Herbert's showing that he's probably the second, right? 
he carried the offense on his back because the the passing game was just com- completely non-existent. And, you know, something I think we talked about it before, the offensive line, you have to give them credit. And I'm really curious to see how this changes or if it's consistent when the offensive line kind of gets settled because you still have Lucas Patrick who's not able to snap a football or they're not comfortable. Like, he was snapping it in practice last week. So everyone assumed he was moving back to center, but that wasn't the case. Mustafer was still in there. And Lucas Patrick actually got the start at right guard instead of Kevin Jenkins. And they rotated, but Patrick was in there for about 65% of the time. But And he struggled as well. So I'm curious, like, what happens when you get Patrick back to his center position, which is why they brought him in here, whenever he's able to snap the ball again, you know, consistently. And then when you let Kevin Jenkins play an entire game at right guard, and he's someone who has thrived both uh, in run blocking and in pass protection, and he's really found a new home there at right guard. So, like, I feel like the offensive line needs to – get some credit for what they've been able to do this season, considering, you know, how much criticism they've come under. There's still plenty of work to be done in Braxton Jones, fifth round rookie. You know, he's he's learning on the job out there. And, you know, obviously there are some concerns too probably with Larry Borum at right tackle. But I mean the offensive line has been a big part uh, of this too. And Khalil Herbert I know was singing their praises after this performance. But, you know, you talk about the game plan and how they're leaning on the run and you look at their success even when teams know that they're going to run the football down their throat and you look at what they've been able to do and why would you try to pass you know but then at the same time you can remember oh wait we are trying to develop Justin Fields as a franchise quarterback it's also like a nice fail safe because this isn't a make or break year isn't a make or break year for Justin Fields but at least you have the the running game to fall back on again it's a great point (laughs) You don't mess with something that's working. Just keep running the ball if they can't stop it. Yeah. You have to understand that. If you could just get yourself to be more two-dimensional, now you become such a dangerous offense, though, with the way you can run this football. Yeah. So um, the thing that's concerning, and we'll continue to talk about it here as we go in the coming weeks, is the gap. The gap between the running game and the passing game is so freaking... It's the Grand Canyon right now. we got to close that gap. Really what is. is going on? So, all right, Alyssa, I know you have some game balls to hand out on the defense as well. We mentioned Roquan. Welcome back, Roquan Smith. Big interception. That sealed the game. Let's do that on the other side before we start talking about the Bears twin. I'm going to tell you why the Bears are playing their freaking twin this week and why that's going to be a lot of fun here in week four. But first, our friends over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast are going to give us their play of the week. and We'll be right back. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Typico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, which is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. Sunday night football, we have the Bucks versus the Chiefs. The Bucks are three at home against the spread since 2020 as a home underdog and five and one as an underdog in general since adding Brady. Chris Godwin is practicing and Mike Evans will return. Tom Brady in primetime with a sick defense led by an elite secondary while also being an underdog and likely being faded by the public. Give me the Bucks plus 1.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. 
See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, before we get to Bears, Giants, Alyssa, I know you had some you had some takes on the defense, right? You wanted to give the defense a little bit of love. They have been kind of uh, holding down the fort a little bit. And again, I thought the game plan in that fourth quarter after the second field's pick was we got to get a play on defense. I, I think the Bears needed to get a play on defense to win the ball game the way they were approaching the end of that ball game. And they got it. Roquan Smith, welcome back, buddy. Roquan's back. Give me some takes on the defense. <laughs> I mean, it was quite fitting that this was a game where you lean on your run game and your defense making plays and helping you win at the end. Considering Lovey Smith was on the opposite sideline. I mean, welcome back, Lovey. Uh, this one's for you. Glorious beard. Uh, yes, Glorious beard. Glory. That beard. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. The beard, like, uh, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a reminder of just how, you know, long ago it was since Lovey was on the sideline and the last time the Bears went to a Super Bowl. But, hey. You know, welcome back, Lovey, who still hasn't beaten the Bears since, you know, as a head coach of another NFL team. But, yes, getting to that defense, which was his staple when he was in Chicago. Like you said, hello, Roquan Smith. Where have you been? We have been waiting for you. My goodness. I mean, it, it's really, when you think about it, Roquan Smith didn't practice all last week with a hip injury. And he was still questionable, and there was still a little concern. Would he play? Thank God. He played this game yes. because we'd be talking about a loss. He had a monster game. I mean, we've been talking about how Roquan didn't have his best effort in the first few games, especially as someone who wants to get paid $100 million. Like, this is one of the games where he showed why he's deserving of that, and now you want to see more of that consistently because he had a monster game. He had 16 tackles, including two for a loss. And that game-winning interception, right? You know, Angela Blackson got a hand on that interception, but Roquan came down with it. And the thing with Roquan is he made plays when the team needed it. You talk about those tackles for loss. They came on huge plays, including that one stop when the Texans, you know, were about to score a touchdown. It was really impressive to see what he was able to do. He competed completely all over the field. Uh, And that's the Roquan that we want to see. We want to see him take over games. It kind of feels like, we, we have to remember, he didn't play in the preseason, right? He wasn't there for training camp. It kind of felt like those first two games were like a preseason, maybe, if you want to say that, where he was kind of getting used to playing in the team. Because, yes, it's one thing to practice in it, but to get those live reps on the field, that's something completely different. And you kind of saw that Roquan was just in the zone, and he's really thriving at weak side linebacker. So really impressed by him. Uh, and also Eddie Jackson. I feel like we're going back in time here. <laughs> Like these are two of the draft picks made by the former uh, Ryan GM, Ryan Pace, and Eddie Jackson, who, I mean, it's been very disappointing, uh, not this season, but the, the previous season, since he got that, that extension, that massive contract extension, he had played the same. And, you know, coming into the season, Matt Eberflus said he had a fresh start in this defense, and he really has bought into what Eberflus is selling. And you've seen it with what he's, he's been able to come with these big plays, you know, he was the second leading tackler behind Roquan in this game with eight. Uh, and he had an interception, his second of the season. My goodness, impressive with Eddie. You know, that's something where you really want to see him continue that because I think the Bears are now 12-0, and 0, by the way, when Eddie Jackson has an interception. So we want Great to see stat. more of that, preferably on Sunday. And I would have to say my last game ball, which this one's surprising to me because I have been critical of this player. But – with uh, Jalen Johnson now with a quad injury, Kendall Vildor stepped in uh, at cornerback and he played 98% of the reps. 
And he was impressive. He had a good game. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it's not going to always be perfect. But he played a hell of a game. Uh, he had five tackles, one for a loss, a couple pass breakups. You know, he one of those pass breakups was on that Eddie Jackson interception. So, I mean, Kendall Zilder really stepped up when this team needed him to. So, again, really impressed with him. And, you know, right now Jalen Johnson doesn't sound too confident that he's going to play. Like, not, not that he's, you know, not playing, but he's like, I don't know, we'll see. I don't want to rush it. But the Bears should feel pretty good when they see what Kendall Vildor was able to do in place of Johnson. Obviously, you want Johnson out there because he's your top cornerback and still hasn't been targeted in coverage this season. Uh, so, but I mean, I would, I feel more confident entering this Giants game, assuming if Johnson can't go that, you know, that Boulder had that kind of performance against the Texans. Yeah, copycat league. They're just not going to throw over there, Alyssa. They're going to throw on the other side, no matter what. Throw to Tyler Oh, that's it. So uh, we had to give some some love to the running game and the defense. We just had to. You can't just crap on the passing game all the time. You got to give some love, credit where credit's due, we, right, Alyssa? We needed, we needed some happiness, right? Yes, it is our, a win, right? They just, the Bears right. just won. You got to yeah. remember that. There's our happiness. So you ready to, for me to break down why the Bears are playing their twin this week at the Giants? Oh, okay. yes. So the Giants are also 2-1-1. Surprising everybody, right? I don't think anybody had the Giants at two and one. I don't think a lot of people had the Bears at two and one. The Giants, Alyssa, have a bunch of receivers who can't get open or, or catch the ball. If you watched uh, on uh, Monday night there against the Cowboys, they've got an offensive line that consistently has the quarterback running for his life and getting sacked. Does that sound familiar? Um, and because of that, they tend to get their biggest plays from the run game. They're up there, just like the Bears. They're up there in the top five in, in running. Uh, you know, rushing, I should say. They also have a solid defense that's allowing 19 points per game, same number as the Bears. So doesn't this sound kind of familiar? Like, I think the Bears are twinning this week in this game against the Giants. It's the same exact team. It's like a mirror image. <laughs> that is incredible. They're twinning. I love that. Hashtag twinning. We need to get that in there somewhere. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. Man, you're trying to, to bring out the stats. And you know, this is another favorable matchup, you know, heading into it, you know, watching the game on Monday night, you know, the Dr. Giants team looks beautiful. Yes. They are very similar to the Bears where they've been making some of the same mistakes you have. I mean, Daniel Jones had, a, I think he had a decent game. He wasn't helped out. I know the Giants just lost Sterling Shepard for the year uh, to a torn ACL. So, I mean, the defense also has some opportunities, but I think that we're going to be in for a lot of running in this game. Get ready so, for it. Uh, doesn't sound like we're going to see Justin Fields really stretch field too much. Um, I, this is a game where both teams are, are going to run the ball. So, I mean, that's, that's really interesting, but this is a game where, I mean, like you said, they're very similar teams and you could see either team winning. Can't really pick one or the other at this point, to be honest. It's going to come down to, what happens out in the field? Which team wins the, wins the battle at the line of scrimmage? Which team makes the fewest mistakes? Because, you know, we talk about when we did our first podcast following that week one win against the 49ers, we talked about how clean of a game, or how smart and disciplined of a game that the Bears played in terms of having just three penalties. And that's something that they struggled with over the last couple of games. So they're really going to need to clean things up. The Bears rushing defense, I mean, they're not last in the league anymore after they held the Texans under 100 yards. but they're going up against Saquon Barkley and the fourth-ranked Giants rushing offense. So, I mean, that's a bit of a concern heading into this matchup. They're going to need to get better with tackling. You still saw that in this game. There were some, you know, obviously they held them down to 100 rushing yards, but they're still, they were better, but there were still some tackling issues. Got to tackle, tackle a little lower. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. I, I can't really say who's going to win it at this point. That's a tough one. The Bears are three-and-a-half-point road dogs in New York. 
And you know, I understand why the the Giants are so basically if you if you take out the three points that the home team tends to get in Vegas, right? They're saying that the Giants are a half a point better than the Bears, I guess, is what you, is how you could read that. And I understand. I think the Giants might have like a smidge more talent right now on their roster than the Bears. So I I understand that. Um but I do I just think these teams are mirror images of each other, right? I I wouldn't bet either money line at all because I'm worried the game ends in a tie, right? Like you just when it's in overtime, Alyssa, just think of me because I think a tie is on the table this week because the teams are so similar. They're the same thing, right? Um, so I, I think a tie is on the table. So because of that, don't I have to take the Bears? They're getting three and a half points. I think these are the same exact team. They have all kinds of problems, but so does the Giants. It's not like the Giants are this well-oiled machine over there. Great point with Sterling Shepard. That was the only receiver Daniel Jones could even trust, and now he he's out. Like, come on. So because I think... This game probably ends in a tie, and that's my prediction. That's my hot take. I guess I have to take the Bears and take those points, three and a half. I got, I got to take the Bears' side. Man, I think I'm still going to take the Bears in the three and a half for a different reason. I really do not want a tie, and I could see this. But like you said, <laughs> Who wants a tie, you know? teams are so similar. Don't want a tie. I could see this being another week one scenario. Where Remember when the Giants went for the win? against the Panthers went to two uh, after that touchdown. Oh, I yeah. could see them doing that. That's something similar in this game coming down to a two-point conversion because why the hell not? Why are we going to overtime when we know that we're probably playing for a tie at that point, right? <laughs> so why not go for the win? Uh, I don't think that the Bears, if they were in that same situation, I don't see Matt Eberflus doing that. I see him playing conservative and, you know, playing for overtime and hoping his defense makes a play and hoping Khalil Herbert does enough to get them in field goal range, but I would not be surprised to see the Giants go for two. Like if they scored, you know, a, a touchdown to tie it, uh, I could see them going for the win. Yeah, I could. You know, I don't know if you saw the New York tabloids after De- uh, Brian Dayball did that, but the New York tabloids were running with um, Brian DeBalls of Steel after that call <laughs> to go for two. I love that. So I don't know if there's a catchy little phrase for Iberflus if he does the same thing, but I just don't know. I, I mean, the Giants can't score points any better than the Bears can. It's going to be ugly. It'll be defensive, Alyssa. A lot of field goals. A lot of struggling offense. Get ready for that. Am I firing you up for this ball game? Like that's what I'm expecting. <laughs> you are, but I would like to say this. If I'm assuming, I don't. Did you make it through that Broncos 49ers game on Sunday night? Oh, I because did. Because if you did, yeah, I did. If you painful. did, you can make it through Bears and Giants. Eleven to ten. It cannot be that bad. I cannot believe I watched that entire game. <laughs> Just in disbelief at how bad the Broncos look. You know, it's like. <laughs> That's okay. that's that's why I kept and just in disbelief of, you know, I'm I'm a Patriots guy. So Jimmy G, I, I I pull for him. But man, I don't think I've seen a worse quarterback. Like we talk about Justin Fields struggling. I don't think there's been a worse quarterback performance ever than the one Jimmy G had in that game. He was horrible against the Broncos. Holy <laughs> crap. He was really bad on Sunday night. That was bad. Stepping outside the, yeah. the end zone for the safety, but also <laughs> throwing a pick six like that was probably the worst play in NFL history. Like. Yeah, so he was, Justin Fields was definitely saved by Garoppolo. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was still bad, but it wasn't. Believe it wasn't me, believe me. And and my Patriots are sending out Brian Hoyer against the Packers in Lambeau Field this week. Believe me, folks, it can get worse. It can get worse than what you're getting saying. Lucky. Don't throw in the towel on Justin Fields. It can get a lot worse than that. Believe me. Wait, it will. Let's say this. 13 starts in, right, with Justin Fields. I mean, essentially, hasn't even played a full season technically. So I don't know. He's not technically a rookie, but feels like he's a rookie. He's going to get better. He'll be yes. fine. Let's hope. I'm going to try to be optimistic, which is new for me. 
uh, trying to be optimistic that things will work out. But obviously, he has a lot to clean up. The coaches really need to help him out here. And it's not, hey, the Bears got one hell of a rushing attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got all the talent in the world. He's just not a very confident player right now. He needs to get his confidence up. And I wish he had kind of an alpha male receiver to play with this year to kind of help him out. He doesn't really have that. So I think that's part of the struggles. It will get better. We just got to keep believing that it will get better. And again, like we said earlier, they don't have any choice. There's not, there's nothing else. Trevor Simeon. Is that the, we're going to put in Trevor Simeon and try to draft another quarterback. That's not realistic. We're not doing that. So it has to get better. They got to keep working at it. It will get better. So um, that's our show for this week. Uh, Ryan O'Leary here. Really appreciate you all hanging on this long. Hit subscribe if you haven't. Tell a friend if you haven't already. Um, Alyssa Barbieri, always great stuff from you. Appreciate you. You want to say bye to the, the Bears faithful? Yes, as always, guys. Bear down and don't stop believing. Feel the 13 starts. It'll be okay. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.